Welcome. You're listening to the Legal Business World podcast series. In this podcast, we speak with Debbie Huffman. Debbie is co-founder of Symmetry Blockchain Advisors. She speaks about her company, blockchain technology, and how to use blockchain in the changing legal environment. Hi, Debbie. Welcome in this podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, your company, what inspired you to start this company, what's it about, and what are the core activities of this company? Sure. Hi. So I um, am a lawyer. I have practiced in large law firms, and I also uh, was a GC, a general counsel of a very large company. And in those roles, I saw many things, many things that I that can can be streamlined. So, for instance, in law, um, one of the projects we worked on was collaborating files for a large lender, and they were all over in many different drawers and in different people's hands. And early on in my career, one of the things we did was was collaborate, try and get loan files together. And I saw the same kind of thing in my career in lending, yep. um, the same kind of disparate impact. So I'm always interested in technology. And um, a few years ago, when I saw blockchain as a type of technology, and with my background in, in law and finance, I, I was able to see that as a solution, not just for obviously for law and finance and lending, but for so many other things. And um, it just led me to this path to start this company, an enterprise blockchain, and of course, ICOs that go along with it. And because I really think it's a solution for our industry, for legal and for, again, finance and so many other industries. Thank you very much, Debbie. Many professionals know or at least heard about it that blockchain, cryptocurrencies and ICO ecosystems are revolutionizing businesses across the globe. Is there a difference in how to use this technology in a knowledge and service-driven sector as the legal market? Yeah, so the legal market is a great example of how this type of technology can be revolutionized in, in the industry. So the, the most straightforward use is in smart contracts. And that is something where basically there's an if-then type of question, and then it's it's put into the technology um, and so that you can't get on to the next part of the contract unless there's an answer to that. Yep. Now, pe- people are a little concerned, especially lawyers say, well, how can you replace the the rational, you know, the the feeling there. And you can put in sequences to say if then, and you start with the most basic of contracts. I've seen it starting with things like NDAs or purchase and sale, and then we develop it from there. Yeah. So that's number that's number one. The second is in global systems. Um, so we are learning how to revolutionize um, really document storage across global teams. And that's I just saw an, I just saw a uh, question this morning on a legal um, chat that I'm on, and they were asking how can my team uh, share contracts and review contracts? And somebody said, oh, we can put them on SharePoint. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, SharePoint is okay, but blockchain can do so much more. So our global teams and our teams that are drafting or sharing with our clients and the data storage and transfer and sharing. So those systems. Uh, the third is in data protection and privacy. I think in the legal field. We're, I think we're going to we can talk more about that later on, but I just want to touch upon that. Um, every I think people who are familiar with blockchain understand that it's much more secure than the systems we have in place now. Yep, sure. Um, 
Yeah. And then um, intellectual property, um, the development of intellectual property, the uh, the way to, um, again, to save it, to develop it. It's on the blockchain. It has some uh, tremendous potentials. And, and lastly, in the legal market, um, our clients are going to need help in structuring these things and their corporate structuring. Again, because they're global, there's global laws. And it's very different from the type of law we've practiced. Um, not that we haven't done international law, but this every question that I get now has some type of international um, uh, questions related to it because of the fact that our customers, um, it, you know, it's a system that will cross borders at hello, and we can't just wait for that. It's not just, it's something that will happen regardless of whether we want it to happen or not. So as lawyers, we need to be very aware of that. Thank you. That's clear. Uh, talking about sizing of the firms, do you typically offer your programs, workshops, and services to small firms or medium or big law firms? And is there, besides the average spend, a difference in service needs in these firms? So it's interesting, um, Lord. We've done both, um, from smaller, more entrepreneurial firms to larger institutions. In the larger institutions, they often have an innovate innovation team that we talk with. And then we have to bring the concept to the executive team who really um, has to understand, get a, their arms around blockchain and what it is and understand it so that the uh, funding really can be allocated to the innovation team to make sure they go forward. In the smaller firms, we it's a, it's a little bit uh, more straightforward and then they generally have an idea of how they want to use this blockchain in their build. And they might... Uh, hire us to just do strategy and then use their own developers, or they might have us do oversight of their may maybe a tech audit or um, something like that. And whereas the larger firms, uh, a lot of it is just completely outsourced to us. They they have uh, different types of resources. Yes. And looking at the global legal market, we see highly specialized lawyers from large law firms starting niche firms and keep on working for large or big law clients. As their spend is less and blockchain investments become more of a necessity, do you think that the lack of investment budget will work against them and prohibit, for instance, growth success? It's an interesting question, but I actually don't think that it will. And the reason is because this is a very unique market. It's growing very fast, and these niche firms are becoming the experts. So as investments in this area become a necessity, these niche firms will become go-tos as they develop their expertise, and then they'll have the larger, the money will be coming in for, because they'll become the go-tos and, and thus um, they'll have the budgets to help them with their clients. So I think smaller firms getting into this area now is critical and there's definitely an opportunity to be able to grow those smaller niche firms. Thanks. If I take a little step back, back to your business, if you had to choose three UVPs or three USPs, value points or selling points, which three should you choose to describe your business and why? So you're talking about my business in terms of yep. Symmetry Blockchain yep. Advisors. Yep. So what's what's very unique, one of the reasons uh, we, my partner and I formed this company was because we have a very multifaceted approach to blockchain and to ICOs. So we have legal experience and entrepreneurial and venture capital business type of experience. And then we also combine that with a marketing and tech team. And that's extremely unusual. A lot of the companies that are competitors I've seen are just much more of the one or the other, marketing and or tech. Um, 
And then they're even afraid to approach law because I don't practice law in this company and my team doesn't, but we we can issue spot and know when to bring in the lawyer. So that's a value prop. And then, of course, like I just said, we have these deep expertise in all these areas. And um, lastly, we um, we just we keep very current. We are always aware of every day you have to keep current with this industry. You can't sit back and let a day go by because something new happens. So those are our value propositions. And then the selling points are um, we're very attentive. Um, again, it's just that um, that you know coming from big business, you it, you're we're responsive. We answer immediately. We have um, the experience and the overall just. Our team, um, it's, you know, when you have a culture of a, of a group that works together, our team is extremely responsive and overall experience is what we, we sell. Great, thanks. That's a clear answer. Debbie, how do you think blockchain will impact the legal profession? Meaning in what way will it significantly alter the traditional role of the lawyer as a, a trusted intermediate? I, I think this is a great question because early on in one of my um, panels that I um, sat on, somebody looked straight in my eyes and said, the lawyers are no longer going to be needed. And I, uh, I just thought that was it was it was a crazy statement. Um, so and I my answer, it was early on. But I said, well, lawyers are always need to needed to structure things up front, even if we are not going to be an intermediary in the process. You can't have a process start without the lawyer. You need to make sure it's structured properly. So that's that's the most important thing. But in other, I have touched upon this, the global law, the global aspect of this is, is amazing. And the regulations, obviously you, you have to know what regulations are, are impacting you. And we're, and, and the other thing is obviously there's not a lot of regulations right now around it. It's developing law, but just to be aware of what could develop and what are your potential pitfalls. And those are where lawyers have to get, you know, informed upon. Um, so the focus on global and jurisdictional areas, where you're located, where your customers located, and then the whole type of decentralization of ent- the enterprise. Yeah, what does yeah. that mean for the corporate structure and who is really responsible? And that brings in a whole host of new questions. And then I lastly want to touch upon, of course, there's going to be tax and intellectual property and fraud type of things, AML, KYC. We, you know, those are questions that are being brought up in, as you launch ICOs. So there's a whole host of, it's, it's a fascinating, terrific area for lawyers to get into because there's so many different components mm. to it. Great, that's clear. Looking at practice areas and blockchain, for instance, IP, technology can create a publicly accessible ledger of patent fillings, copyrights, trademarks, etc., which can track who viewed them or authorized them on a global scale. Is there more you can think of or uh, elaborate on that? So the first is when blockchain brings tremendous innovation. And when I talk to my clients, you know, it's one of the things we talk about early on. At what point do you want to protect what you are developing? So they have to decide if it's a product that they want to patent, whether they want to trademark it or, or copyright it. What, how, what's their method of protection, yeah. number one? And number two is if they decide to protect it, uh, where do you file? Again, the global aspect of it. Is it where you're headquartered or is it where your customers are going to be or, or somewhere else? Yeah. And number three is you have to be cognizant if you do choose a patent over a copyright or trademark or trade secret or something like that, that several years from now, it will become public. But again, I, I tell my clients that for the most part, I don't we don't worry about that. A patent takes a very long time to get through. And by that time, this industry is going to be completely changed. So I always, I think it's uh, the best to file even your provisional patent and then and, and don't worry about somebody stealing that when it becomes public. 
Yes, and do you think industries disrupted by blockchain technology need specialized attorneys to resolve the regulatory and operational challenges arising from this new technology? Yeah, there's no question that that is um, a definite area. And I and every day I see attorneys that are kind of uh, rotating their practice a little more, focusing on it and learning the law on it. Seasoned attorneys can are able to, to do that. Many of these attorneys understand tech. But they really need to understand other things like finance, corporation, tax, and IP. And I think that's why it's really critical to have not just one attorney, but a team that can collectively address these experts and these expert areas. And um, and the thing is, um, when I started this this Symmetry Blockchain Advisors, I did recognize that. And that's one of the things that we're able to do is, is we quarterback all the different needs of the various attorneys. Even if we're working with one firm, you still need to address these different areas. And you can't say, oh, we're, only, we're going to look at the tech component only. You need the other areas of law as well. Great, thanks. Debbie, uh, looking at the behavioral component, I can imagine that some lawyers will say that blockchain technology will only work for specific legal processes or uh, will not work for their practice area. What is your opinion about this statement? Um, I think that's a little bit narrow-minded. Um, so we're developing a technology that doesn't yet have the infrastructure. We're what I often say: we're driving cars on dirt roads, and that means that use cases are developing, and we may not have the regulation and law ahead of us. But we're yep. we're operating within the law we know. We're defending and justifying what we know. And um, I, I sat on a panel last week, and 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 I there was a opposing attorney that was um, didn't agree with me. And I said, the, the problem we have here is if we don't push the law a little bit, we won't ever be able to have innovation. We won't ever be able to grow. And it's very common for technology to be ahead of the law. And so lawyers need to navi navigate their way within that and know what the risk is and advise with their clients, their clients what the risk is. But still, you can't just sit back and say, well, we don't have law on this. We don't know what the law on this is. Don't do anything. Yes. And can we conclude that the use of blockchain technology will result in additional legal work and increased efficiency in areas such as contract drafting, as well as in streamlining the traditional legal workflow? Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about the, the um, you know, the smart contracts. And yeah. so what I think overall what blockchain will do is it will make the process a little more straightforward. It will help in our tremendously in our documentation storage and transfer and share of contracts. Um, it will, there's no question it will help in audits and review. We won't have to recreate the wheel. Um, and then of the fact that there's a time and date stamp in the central depository. So if you go back to what I said at the beginning, um, when we, when I was a, a, a first year attorney and looking at all those loan files and trying to collaborate them, get them together from all the different sources. Imagine if that was all put on the blockchain, yep. um, mm. that would streamline, not that there wouldn't be a need. I would be doing probably more substantive work for that, reviewing those documents instead of spending time and billable hours trying to find the documents and look for, you know, so there's, yes, it will absolutely transform the legal industry. And besides blockchain, uh, looking at the legal sector in general, what do you think about development planning and implementation of innovative or tech strategies in general? This is a great question. And I see this question kind of in, in play all the time because I have 
a lot of my friends and colleagues are lawyers. And we have the side of, of lawyers that are all completely understand this and want to go forward and really see it. And then there's the lawyers that are extremely skeptical and are, what is blockchain? I, oh, that's, I'm never going to be using that. I've had a lawyer last week say this is not going to happen in my practice. So the, the interesting thing about lawyers is we can be slow um, because we're naturally cautious. We're trained to be cautious. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, the innovators are out there. There's no question there are innovators. And we need to be driven um, by the business and the market, which will accelerate the lawyers to get up to speed. Our clients will be coming to us asking us. They already are, obviously. And as the technology becomes more and more commonplace and natural, lawyers will have to become involved and will become involved. And it will be a necessity more than a, a nicety. So, yes, it is happening and it's, it's happening uh, as we speak. Okay, thank you. And do you see differences between American and European firms in their daily operations? For instance, how they develop, plan or implement these tech products or innovative products? Yeah, the European firms um, have been a little bit ahead of us in the American firms, as because I live in, in the U.S., yep. and that's simply because the technology itself was really a little bit more innovative starting in uh, in Europe, and it's now it's now much more commonplace in the U.S. But the colla the collaboration between the European and other um, internationally all over the firms is critical. Um, Smaller firms are, are are partnering with these international firms to make sure that they understand the global questions that need to be addressed. Great, thank you. Uh, I think we can conclude that the legal profession is changing and professionals need to be more and probably will be more business and tech savvy. But what do you see as the biggest challenge for the legal professional in the coming five years from now? It's a very difficult question um, because five years in blockchain, it can be a lifetime. Um, I think we have the same question, the challenge that we have in pretty much every industry is that our roles are, are changing. And rather than fighting the fact that our roles are going to change and what we do every day might um, be different from how we do it today, um, we need to accept it and adopt it. And it's not different from other iterations of technology we've gone through in the past. So, you know, if we were to have fought using the internet um, back in the early 90s and said, oh, we can do this by fax or by hand delivery or that, that just, you know, we look at today and that's just not what happened. So it's the same thing. In five years from now, our challenges are just to accept the new technology, to embrace it, to utilize it and to make it for our advantage rather than to, um, to be afraid of it. Okay, Debbie, thank you very much for sharing your insights on blockchain and other tech developments. I don't know if you have anything to add or other things you like to share. Alard, I think we covered pretty much everything. I, you know, the, there are, maybe, maybe I'll just say, you know, of course there are challenges to all this. I, I did reference the fact that we're driving, um, you know, the, we're, we're moving at a speed that's faster than regulation, faster than we can even imagine. But And there's challenges. For instance, we know blockchain is slower than we'd like it to be. We know it takes more energy consumption. But I did address that in that um, it's being developed and, and we can't stop simply because we face these challenges. Okay, Debbie, many thanks for this interview. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Debbie Hoffman in this Legal Visible podcast series.